This is Inner Healing Paths podcast. Here we discuss the healing of the mind, body, soul, and spirit through a variety of different paths. We have emotional and spiritually minded conversations centering on ancestral healing, psychology, astrology, yoga, meditation, magic, and indigenous spiritual practices of the world. I am your host, Rosa Shetty, and I am so happy you are here. Welcome. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I am your host, Rosa. For this episode, I invited marriage and family therapist Alejandro Sandoval to talk about men's mental health. Alejandro is a trauma expert, and he shares on men's unique healing journey in mental health therapy. We talked about the generational patterns transferred onto men, such as machismo, disconnection of emotion, and lack of vulnerability. We specifically talked about the Latinx community and some of the unique needs of men that are part of this population. If you find this episode helpful and healing on your journey, please share it with a friend or anyone that you think could benefit from this message. Don't forget to subscribe and leave me a review wherever you listen to this podcast. Sign up for my Patreon community of inner healers. This is $10 a month and we meet once a month and we connect, we talk, you have an opportunity to ask me questions and I get to know you, the listener, and be able to support you in a more personal way on your journey. I will have the information to sign up in the show notes. And now before we go to the actual episode, I need to share a brief disclaimer with you all. Please know that this episode does not treat or diagnose any physical or mental health condition. This episode does not substitute for health care or mental health services of any kind. Guests have a right to share their opinion and perspective, and this does not constitute an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. So without further ado, here's my interview with Alejandro Sandoval. Take a listen. Hi, Alejandro. Welcome to the Inner Healing Paths podcast. Hi, Rosa. Hi, Walt. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me here. Super yes, excited. I know. Same. I know we've been trying to get this going for a while, and I'm so glad that we <laughs> finally got, got, uh, yes. got it done. Yes. Thank you for being here. Oh, yeah. Worth the wait, I'm sure, because we I know our schedules were just not lining up until finally the, yeah. the planets and the stars align. So I'm ready for it. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Okay. Well, Alejandro, to get started, can you share a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you work, what what is the healing work that you do? Oof, yes, great. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so I'm Alejandro yes. Sandoval. Um, I also go by Alex. And I'm a, I'm a licensed marriage family therapist or a psychotherapist here. Um, I, I practice uh, in privately here in my prior practice in the city of Pasadena, California. Um, and I also see uh, individuals um, throughout the state of California, where um, um, throughout Northern and Southern California through uh, telehealth, through video. A lot of the, the sessions that I do now are, are in person in, in my office here in Pasadena. And I work with um, 
I really specialize in working with a lot of men, men and mental health, um, older adolescents as well, adults, and um, uh, some adult families as well, and uh, a lot of women that really want to work on some things that um, that come up in their relationships with men as well. So it's kind of the in the gist of it, the little gist of it is kind of what I do. I um, I because I work with men, of course, there is a lot of trauma. There's a lot of trauma in 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 us men that we're really good at uh, minimizing and really good at just kind of numbing and getting through, right? So uh, because of that, I I really um, got trained in a few different trauma modalities. Um, and of course, all the trauma modalities that I get trained in, like EMDR, brain spotting, trauma resiliency model, parts work, and the newer one that I just did was the um, TRIP, trauma regulation and integration process. Um, all of those models are great, but of course, I always tailor them using the cultural lens piece, right? I think that's ex ex mm -hmm. just invaluable working with um, a lot of my clients. Absolutely. And you mentioned the numbing and the minimizing, and that's just so interesting to me. I'm wondering, uh, can you share with us a little bit about how how do men numb and minimize their pain or their trauma, and especially in comparison to women? You know, my, my I, I don't have yeah. a lot of experience working with men. Most of my experience uh, in my prior practice has been with women. So I'm just, you know, from your perspective, how how does that how is that for men? You know, how do they numb and, and minimize what they've been through? Yeah, it's a great question. And, you know, it's it's a lot of the reason, a lot of that is why um, a lot of men come seek me, right? Mm -hmm. um, so, and again, and this, these are, you know, just kind of state the obvious, very generalizations, right? Overgeneralizations as well, right? There is so much in between here, but just to give you the gist of it, right? Um, mm -hmm. a, lot of the, a lot of the numbing really kind of shows up um, in, in, in attitudes, um, and kind of this kind of men mentality that a lot of men are are grown to accept that we are just kind of hard workers, survivors, providers, and got to push through to provide for our families, for our loved ones, right? It's part of my role as a man to do such things. Um, and because we um, I mean, and those are those are some some great values, right? Mm. Some great qualities that, that men have. But what happens is, in in getting married to that to that principle, a lot of the stuff that a lot of the pain, the hurt, the stuff that hurts us men, we tend to just kind of push it down, push it down, because we have to get by. We have to kind of get through this. We have to just survive. Yeah. We can't necessarily show um, emotions in the 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 in the way that it would maybe promote healing perhaps we show emotions in a way yeah. that unfortunately gets us through the moment don't get me wrong so there is some value mm -hmm. to that right but in the long run it really creates longer term issues and some of these things come up as substance abuse uh alcoholism binge drinking binge eating right and we, we numb so long and then we start seeing these things and one of the real problems that happens is then we start losing those closer connections with people that we love 
So the numbing now gets to like, I'm just, I just can't be alone with my spouse anymore. Or I don't want to. I don't want to be around my kids. I want to be around family. I just want to be alone. I want to be with somewhere where I'm distracted with the TV on, with, mm-hmm. with a drink, with some weed, with some, with something to just kind of feel some type of mm-hmm. numbness, right? So, and you start seeing the subtle and you can imagine this happening over years and years and years. Eventually it starts bleeding into the family. So that's a lot of the, mm. the numbing that I see. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting that you mentioned the social connections and how when there's an impact there and, and it starts affecting the family, you know, I, I think just looking back at the experience that I've had in, in my with my with my clients that were males, um, a lot of times when they decided to start therapy was usually as a result of something big happening, like you know, their yeah. wife suddenly said, you know what, I'm done. If you don't get help, uh, right. we're, we're ending this or, or something happens to one of their children. You know, usually it's as a result of, of a big event uh, in your experience. Is that, have, did you, have you noticed that too? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's this idea it's like okay we're gonna get divorced now we're gonna split now or there's yeah. infidelity or there's you know i had to value out of jail because you got drunk in public or you know, or, or something like where it's just like a big deal maybe you got fired yes. written up laid off of work right because now the the way that we are numbing and kind of handling this other stuff now leaked into this part of my life and now it's affecting what well, it's always been affecting but now it's really in your face type of thing where where right. it's a, a external kind of um this external crisis let's call it that creates so much panic and and urgency that now it pushes people into treatment and hopefully uh, i mean it's horrible for for that to happen but sometimes that's what it does take to mm. get people in and and Absolutely. hopefully do the work yeah yeah and i you know another thing now that you're saying that you know another thing that i that i noticed is that sometimes you know they it got them in to to get started and open that door for them to just be open to doing therapy but then as soon as the crisis subsided a lot of times they i've noticed that they lost the motivation to continue working on those deeper issues right the, for example the childhood trauma the you know some of the things that even l- led to the numbing and the the, the high risk behaviors yeah yeah how, uh, in your perspective how you know what what switches or how you know for those men that do stay in treatment what do you feel is that switch that just allows them to to stay in it to stay in treatment despite the, the crisis and the family subsiding <laughs> You know, and that's a big piece there because you're right. A lot of men do when when um, when the crisis subsides, when like it it blows over or whatever. Yeah, there's there's that kind of complacency that comes in. Like, okay, now now we're no longer in in mm-hmm. fear or danger, so now we can go back to homeostasis. Homeostasis mm. or baseline meaning kind of what we're used to, and what we're used to is what has got us through life. So there's there's always going to be this kind of gravitational pull to get us back into what we're comfortable we're used to like that's just an ongoing thing right so it's it's this idea whenever so that's a very that's a very natural kind of um, phenomenon Mm -hmm. that happens we um so what we do so what, what usually with the men that i work with we really try to focus in on what's do what do they what do they want aside from the crisis being over? And when, mm. when we start talking, and this is generally generally true across the board, but 
the men that I work with, and I would venture off and totally generalizing here, but the most men, they want to have deeper connections with the people they love. They want that. Like it's deep down. They they all want to. However, it's for some men, it's freaking scary. It's like, whoa, that's like you're saying a lot right now. (laughs) Like slow down. So uh so it's getting through that 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 initial kind of fear that which is also the gravitational pull going back to baseline, but it's highlighting like, hey, you can actually have meaningful, deeper connections and relationships with your children with your spouse like imagine a scenario where where you're older in life and your children call you and come visit you versus when you're older in life and your Mm. children do not call you back do not visit you for a couple Mm. weeks what kind of what kind of environment do you want to create for them as you age and a lot of me like no i don't want to be alone like mm. or or you know like of course my children are going to come visit me and then i asked them well what are you doing now so that that can happen because fear and respeto is not going to work when they're older mm. respeto uh, yeah yeah or the fear right yeah that's those are huge things and i think a lot of men especially you know, I, I can only speak for the, you know, for the men in my family, you know, yeah. with my, my, just my, my parents or my dad, you know, that was, that was it for them. Just, you know, yeah. instilling that, that fear <laughs> and that's what they were banking yeah. on for the exactly. long term. Yeah. Yeah. So like, oh, I'm going to discipline through fear. Con la mirada. I'm going to discipline through yes. my tone of voice, my aggression, um, the, my mannerisms of, yeah. of male, of, of, of all of that. And, that's something that's you know obviously I know you I know you I know you talk a lot about generational trauma Rosa but that is all of that mm-hmm. piece right that that carries mm-hmm. through and and then now in here when when I have them in my office it's like that's not going to work when when your children are grown and older like they're going to have choices to not call you back they're going to have choices to not visit you when you get older and if if with you and so it's like, what kind of relationship do you want to build for them? And oftentimes that's, you know, that's, that's scary. And a lot of the men um, that I work with, they want to continue that even in their, as they get older in their age, or even if they're older to come see me, right? It's this idea of like, well, I want to repair. I want to repair the work because now I'm noticing my adult daughter, my adult son, they don't really come around unless like it's a, a mandatory dinner or whatever or, mm. or the Sunday breakfast that, that I guilt trip them to come basically yeah. but I feel that they're not want to be there and that is so sad and painful like you just feel the mm. pain and the sadness so they're choosing to work on that and repair that relationship mm. wow and you know when it comes to to you know why so many men are like that in the in the first place uh what do you what do you think it is about our culture and the way you know little boys are raised what is it that that just leads to that fear of connection at such a young you know at such a young age or that that eventually they're even afraid of being vulnerable and connecting with their own children and, and where do you feel that's stems from you know for from i know it's very it's a, you know it's it's hard to to generalize because it is very unique but just in very general terms where do you feel that 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 society um, uh, has a play or a role in this yeah i mean it's it's so multi-layered you know and um i and 
that's kind of the the lens that I operate through mm-hmm. when I work with ministers, identifying so many mm-hmm. different layers and pieces that contribute to this. Because there isn't just one thing, right? It, it isn't just one or just two or just three, but there's there's layers and layers, just yeah. like there's lay, just like there's generations and generations of trauma that we all carry now in present day, the same exists to that builds up this kind of construct for men of like, hey, I need to be strong. I can't ask for help. I can do this alone. I don't want to appear weak. This is my role as a as a man as a male, as a man. Um, I need to be the leader here. I need to carry my last name. My last name must continue on. Like all of these kind of ideas and 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 internal beliefs that a lot of young little boys grow up with and that are then reinforced mm-hmm. by the the people, the, the adults, the they're reinforced by the adults in their life, not just children, but the adults is reinforced by stuff that we see on TV, stuff, the different um, people that are in power, the the books that we see, the, the, the images on TV that we see, like there's so many things. And of course, of course, the family dynamics that we grow into. Right, the 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 machismo that's so relevant in our in our, in our Latinx community, yeah, and the patriarchal systems that exist in many cultures across the world, right? Mm. Um, there's so many of these layers that kind of um, facilitate this type of idea, right? That um, you know what, um, just disconnect, mm-hmm. and do it on your own, and push through. Yeah, that they they have to be strong, not cry, not show emotion, no matter what, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's the thing with therapy is like um, choosing then to. So you have all these these things that that men, whether they're explicitly told this or um, just implicitly feel. Right. And, and I think that's the difference because I think on uh, especially now we, we've gotten a little better at like trying to um, dismiss and, and try to really um, kind of uh, fight off the, these real harmful, harmful ideas of men. I think we're getting better mm. at it little by little. Right. But yeah. it's still very intellectual. If that makes sense, like it's still yeah. very mm-hmm. cognitive, meaning like on paper, we get it that this is after this is toxic masculinity we get that this is toxic this is this is horrible mm. machismo crap mm-hmm. that i don't want to do on paper and intellectually we get it but what ends up happening when you get into deeper relationships with people with your partners with your spouses with your parents and children guess what all that intellectual stuff goes out the window and next thing you know you start responding and reacting to those other more implicit Mm -hmm. ingrained parts Mm -hmm. of us so although there is a lot of work that we've done and awesome and and i know you're doing a lot of that work too rosa and and this Mm -hmm. awesome awesome podcast that you have and so many other healers yeah so many healers around the world are doing amazing work at this um but it really is um very implicit here and yeah it's, it's deeper in that and it does come up. absolutely no yeah and you know right now that you mentioned that it's very intellectual it's um it's you know nobody wants nobody i don't think a lot of people would, would admit yeah i'm a machista or you know like i, I yeah, you right, know right. i i but and I think most people want to say no, like, you know, I believe in gender equality and I believe in, you know, in, in sharing tasks at home and being equal with my spouse, all that. Yeah. But when you really look, you know, I can, I, again, I can only speak for the, for the men in my life and my family that I, I see from sure. up close and 
and I I see it, you know, that the 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 stereo the gender stereotypes, the expectation on on the women that they still have. And I'm talking about people that are in their 30s. I mean, my my ah. my younger, you know, my my youngest brother, he's not even 30, you know. So I'm talking about like really young people that are still very much affected by this by this generational pattern of toxic toxic um, gender roles and stereotypes and machismo especially you know coming from a Mexican family um, my siblings and I you know we're first generation so our status quo you know what is normal for us is to see those traditional gender roles at home you know the machismo the submissive mother you know that's the, that's that's what mm. we're used to right so to to not have that in our own lives and to break that, it actually takes a lot of awareness and intention and conscious. It's, it's it's the it's not it's the hardest thing to do. Actually, it's harder to just go with the flow because that's what we're used to. <laughs> but when we are yeah. intentional about creating a different cycle and breaking those cycles, then it it's it is a lot of work because you have to stay mindful all the time about what patterns you are recreating from your own childhood and yeah, I'm, I'm speaking exactly. for myself yeah. too you know it's yeah. very easy for me to get into into the, the other role of expecting my husband to take care of everything and you know to take care of the house and it's like wait wait a minute like I can I can nail something too you know it's like I can put something right, on the wall right. I can hang this I can I can build furniture you know it's like I, I yeah, so it, yeah. but it's like again it's so easy to fall into those traditional roles and to forget, it really it, yeah. yeah. So it's for me, it's just fascinating how, how, um, how, how some of these these things are just so implicit, you know, in what we do yeah. without awareness. They're really just, ingrained. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They're, they're they're really ingrained. They're, they're like in you know. Um, so when I when I was in grad school, like way back in the day, right? Um, mm-hmm. I we had to do our thesis, right, and. At that time, I was like, what am I going to do my thesis on? Like, I have no freaking clue. I just know that I want to be in this field. I know that I, that mm. I, that I want to be a therapist. That was my, my goal, right? So I ended up, and after all this kind of research, you know, this the prep work you had to do, I finally decided of doing my thesis on figuring out or seeking the, the um, attitudinal barriers, like the, the attitudes and the barriers that men have, and specifically Mexican men have, in seeking therapy. Mm. That was my, my thesis, thesis, right? It was, it was, yeah. So like, in this, where I do the whole literature review and, and look at the research and all that good stuff, and part of it was uh, interviewing, interviewing a bunch of folks, a bunch of um, Mexican men. And one of the things that I, interview after interview after interview, and I chose men that were from Mexico, born and raised, grew up there, and maybe now live here as came, came across older, and some that are uh, born and raised here in the States um, that, that consider themselves Mexican-American. So across the board, um, you start seeing themes, right? Like, you know, on these attitudes mm-hmm. of seeking help and, one of these one of these themes this theme of like um appearing or seemingly weak weak in front of your peer your peer mm. group right and i remember this this older gentleman said it to me or the interview was in spanish and he says um when i wouldn't ask him about you know what he thought about seeking help he was or why not seek help he was like um why like what, what his belief was and he was like bueno he said something along the lines like bueno es de eso de que de que te vean como que eres el débil mm. 
como que te pongan el dedo que, que mm. tú no puedes y ellos sí mm -hmm. and, and it's like he was talking from his experience like this mm -hmm. exp this coming from a, like a, a, a protection like I need to be this way so that I don't appear weak and appearing this way protects me from appearing weak from others mm. right mm. and that's if you look at that through like the therapeutic lens that can really be seen as protection protection for survival right so when mm. when you look at these these implicit things that we're talking about and you see like why they're so ingrained and if you can if you consider from the, the stance of it comes from this protection piece you can it gives you more context as to why they're so just cognitive that we want to mm. break and it's so difficult because there are parts of us are using this literally to survive or at least they feel they think they need to do this to survive mm. um, to not appear weak so it, it, it starts to make more sense in, in some in some way um as to why it's so deeply ingrained i think in our mm. culture yeah no absolutely you know one of the things when you said that about this this gentleman in your research one of the things that came to mind was well first of all is how you know how sad right for someone to have an entire life you know because i'm sure this started since very very little feeling oh, yeah. like they have to be strong they cannot be perceived as weak and and i i get the sense that the the tolerance for appearing weak is very very low <laughs> meaning it's like you know what a woman is allowed to show like weakness a quote unquote the weakness that that i can show as a woman is much higher than what i than what a man can show right and how just i just feel so sad for this gentleman you know that that he feels that he has to uphold that up to this to this point in his life yeah it's 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 this and it's this thing that it's it's like very much a part of him it, mm. it's it's and it's so automatic it's not something that it's even because it took us a, a while in the interview for him to get to this piece mm. here where he said that um but it it has existed for a very long time in his life. And that was the yeah. general theme that was coming up for a lot of the men that I interviewed here in this, in this thing. It's like um, part of the work then is us for us men now, and I'm talking to all the men, is to deconstruct that part of ourselves and to um, really look at how we can heal that part of ourselves that seeks that even now in 2022, mm -hmm. that protection right that that kind of survival kind of part and protection that we all have that implicitly or not whether whether we can cognitively think this away or not that is still there inside us yeah and do, do you with you with your men you know or male clients do you incorporate inner child uh, or parts work you know in, in regards because i feel that inner child work especially when we bring it in when we're already doing yeah. parts work it can be so powerful to bring in that compassion you know to that little boy within or you know that little one within do you in your experience how does that go or do you do you incorporate that and, and if so how how do your 
especially the older I'm thinking of you know someone like my dad who's older and it's like yeah. you know not on social media doesn't have, has no idea what's buzzing <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> all the buzzwords do a podcast right yeah <laughs> yeah no no and and I'm just thinking someone like him coming into therapy you know being presented sure. with this concept of inner child he would be like what is this what are you talking about yeah 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 it's that loco me dijo que me traje una foto de yo cuando estaba niño, ¿no? No tengo foto de mi niñez, ¿no? A lot of men actually say that. A lot of men say, yo no tengo foto de cuando yo era niño. My dad's favorite thing is like, oh, creo que soy más psicólogo yo que ellos. Oh, for sure. How do you present that? Or, how you know, how do you go about bringing in that element? in the therapy yeah i mean it's it's like uh, i i feel like i just need to say it's case by yeah. case you know like good yeah, stuff right yeah. but gen generally speaking generally speaking right it's this um the the parts work and the the child the inner child work helps a lot in this because um taking that approach uh, um really um takes that judgment off because like i said before men want to connect to the people they love like like if we look at everything through that mindset they want this so our job and my job as a therapist here is to help facilitate a a, a route a, a map to get to that to get to that goal right so one of the mm -hmm. things to get to that goal is to figure out how do we show compassion to these parts of of us men mm -hmm. that block us from doing that the Absolutely. numbing the 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 machismo the 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 male dominance right the urge to like want to be empowered to the jealousy the the insecurity right the inferior inferiority that we feel a lot of men feel especially when it comes to i don't want to appear weak so the parts work does mm -hmm. help because it, it it's it's a gentle way with more compassion to identify those what seem to be or what are honestly um kind of toxic behaviors jealousy uh possessiveness all, you know all these things that you know if we just kind of have like a bubble cluster of all like the mm -hmm. the, the the behaviors that we don't want to see and and, and us men do not want to do not like repeating um when you look at those behaviors as a function that they're serving mean a part that is being exercised in inside them to relieve or to protect them from mm. further pain so when you're when when we get to the point where we can see you know what this alcoholism when i can see that you know my my aggression my irritability when i can see that my my social disconnection has actually in some just kind of counterintuitive counterintuitive way has actually protected me helped me survive from xyz right it it softens it and allows the men to engage more in this process rather than be hearing this kind of bash like yeah i'm horrible i know like i've been told that i'm the worst already every person i've dated mm -hmm. dumps me whatever mm -hmm. and it's like that doesn't it doesn't lead anywhere necessarily productive 
And that's not to say, so again, I want to be clear, I didn't mm-hmm. say that we're that we're co-signing on that that bad behavior. It doesn't mean mm-hmm. that we're kind of just giving that behavior mm-hmm. a pass. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Right. There has to be accountability. There has to be some type of, of uh, repair work as well to that, right? Mm-hmm. 100%. We do both at the same time. Um, but it does help um, to identify what what the that younger part of themselves when they feel mm. that fear, that pain, that the fear they need to be strong because of survival, then when we're able to shine the light on that, it's easier to kind of see, oh, so I know I'm an ass, but maybe not a complete asshole. You know, it's like this right, idea that right. is like, and and believe it or not, that actually does promote more engagement in their mm. own treatment. And then they want to stay after the crisis subsides of like, oh, this happened and that happened. Then there's like, well, there's actually some hope here. Yeah. And, and that's that's the kind of the, the lens that, that, we, that I use with a lot of the, the men that come see me. No, that's wonderful. And, and you know, I think it's, it's just part of human nature to want to understand ourselves better. And I think yeah. when, you know, when therapy is working, that's what happens. We're able to have more insight about ourselves, where we come from, why we are the way we are, and create some separation from the behavior and then from yeah. who we are as a human being, because who we are at our right. core is we're, you know, we're, we're not the behavior. We're not the alcoholism. We're not the, the addiction or the infidelity exactly. or whatever it is that led to, to therapy, right? For it, we are, we are, that's a part and that's a behavior that we can look at. So I think when we're, like you said, when, when people are able to understand that it, it in the more you, you do, the more you want to understand other parts. So I could see how that allows people to stay motivated to continue their treatment and is including you know including men because we you know we mentioned earlier that a lot of men do drop from treatment once the crisis yeah. has subsided but no that it sounds like you're doing wonderful work alejandro and in i'm curious how did you get into this this um this line of work or you know how did you find yeah. your your calling to become a, a therapist Oh, that's a, that's a great question. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. No, I'm kidding. Uh, you know, it, it's so, okay, so I went to, um, um, I went to undergrad, I went to UC San Diego, and I went there as an electrical engineer. So I'm in there in my first year taking all these, um, you know, mm-hmm. engineering classes, the, the labs, the ECE labs and all that kind of stuff. And then I'm realizing it. I'm realizing, I don't like this stuff. This is really, really, really boring. And I, I, I'm not connecting to any of my classmates. Um, it just wasn't, I, I just, I remember like being in like the basement of like one of the labs, because you says he has a lot of these huge buildings, engineering buildings. So I'm in the basement doing like some kind of, I think it was a Java program or something like a computer program, programming class. And I remember just like looking around and like, it was like a Friday night, I think, and I was there. I'm like, this sucks. I'm kicking yeah. myself. This is, this is not what I want to do. And I've always I've always just done well with people, like I, like you know, in social settings. Meaning, and when yeah. I say done well, meaning like I felt uh, more comfortable, like just being around people. And a lot of the engineering work is, is you know, in the upper divisions, it does get more, more, more collaborative and whatnot. But yeah, it was it, it wasn't really clicking and vibing. So I was like, you know, I'm gonna minor in psych and psychology. Um, 
Well, I ended up switching majors and ended up just majoring in psychology. Um, I dropped mm-hmm. totally engineering after like my second year. I'm like, mm-hmm. you know what? This is, I'm not, I'm not happening. I'm not liking this. And then I started working as a college peer advisor in undergrad, just kind of doing the work study programs. So, so I would go to different high schools and I would kind of talk about getting into college, right? To like high school seniors and, and whatnot. Um, and then I'm starting noticing like, I'm pretty good at this. Like, you know, a lot of, a lot of, High school seniors like would come and request to talk, come talk to me um, more than anything to kind of share their story or to hear my story on how to like how I got into college, and I started recognizing wow, what's helping these 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 kids a lot more than anything is just um, just talking about it. Like we literally it, like I would give them like actual factual information and sure mm-hmm. the logistical stuff and that that's important. Don't get me wrong, but I just noticed like the ones that would come around more were the ones that just got more actual time to talk to someone about it so that kind of stuff stayed with me mm. I, I ended up doing this this um I ended up doing this this research project at UCSD where um this professor that I did um research with had this joint program in in Barcelona in Spain um he was researching how how our brain learns and he was using um in San Diego he had this like elementary middle school that um it was like an after-school program, and he would kind of measure how children were learning, um, how they were interacting behaviorally and emotionally. So he was doing a study there, and then he had the same partnership out in the in the Universidad Autónoma, Barcelona. So um, I, he, I was able to go on on a research grant to do the same thing that I was doing mm. in San Diego with with the research, but it was with yeah. um, the the gypsy population of of Spain. Wow. So I'm. Um, and it was and it, it was yeah. it was so fascinating, and it was the yeah. same ideas. Like the kids that were able to talk more and just interact and just hear their own stories be told, I noticed they were the ones that were benefiting more. So I'm like, this is mm-hmm. this is kind of this is actually filling me up. This is actually wow. filling my cup up, yeah. so to speak. Like I actually am enjoying this kind of stuff. So after that, I'm like that was kind of like the last kind of the last little nudge that I needed to apply to like um, uh, a clinical psych program. And then mm-hmm. I ended up doing the um, MFT program. Um, and, yeah, and then I just kind of ran with it after that. Yeah, no, well, that's, you know, I think for so many people, you know, can relate. I know I, when you share that you started off with a different major and then you switched and, then, yeah. you know, that I can relate to that because same thing, I started off with a different major in college and I was just, mm-hmm same like I wasn't able to to connect with with my classmates you know I I wasn't you know I had friends outside of those classes but in my major you know classes I I just couldn't I had nothing in common really and that (laughs) I think that's your first indication that maybe this is not what you need where you need to be so I think so many people can relate to to that journey and how how fascinating and, and how amazing that you were able to to conduct research in a different country, you know, that's, you know, something that not a lot of people have the opportunity to, to do. I was, I was amazing. I love, love, love my time there. So grateful for that experience. Yeah, no, that's wonderful. And, And so Alex, tell us a little bit about, I know you're in private practice and tell us a little bit about what, you know, if you're, you know, accepting new patients, what kind of people you, you, tend to to work with and if you know how people can find you if they if they want to get to know a little bit more about you and and the work that you do 
Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I work in, um, in Pasadena. So mm-hmm. I have my private practice here for anyone that is maybe is thinking about trying therapy or maybe even in therapy and you want to kind of give it, mm-hmm. give it a go or, and usually it's, there's, there's usually a lot of signs that are telling you to start therapy. Mm-hmm. And maybe this is kind of the last sign that you need to just get yeah. on the phone or go online and send out those messages out to, to a couple of different therapists. But um, I work, I work privately and I see, I see uh, individuals, uh, mainly adults and older adolescents in Pasadena. Um, I, I obviously I work with a lot of men and a lot of women that specifically seem to work with on issues with men and mm-hmm. a lot of adult families. Um, I, I'm, I'm getting a lot of adult families mm. requests as well lately, uh, which is great. I think, and I think yeah. that speaks to the to the repair work that maybe had that needs to be done. Right, the accountability piece that I think I mentioned a little earlier, right, um, which absolutely. is so so vital, so vital. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so if you can check out my my website, um, I talk more about the different modalities that I do, like EMDR, brain spotting, the trauma resiliency model, trip, um, all that good stuff is on there. If you want to check that out, that's at standofalltherapy.com. Yeah, I'll, um, in- I'll include yeah. it in the show notes for sure. Yeah, so oh, people can good. just yeah. And then you're on Instagram yes. also. Yeah. Right. I, I am. I am. I'm kind of like newer, newer to the Instagram world. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie. So kind of late great, game for that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a late bloomer, but thank you. No, you're doing uh, great. I, uh, I just saw the the live that you had. It was, it was so it was interesting. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, the one on machismo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, sorry. that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, did one. Uh, well, machismo, which is really cool. I thought because I got to do more of like some other historical piece of machismo that kind of the way my mind operates. And if you're interested in that check it all out it's kind of cool different just throw it out there it's a little different different take on it and um yeah so so i do that um this is the kind of work that i do i, I think above all um all the other different techniques and modalities and all that great stuff that me myself as a therapist does and, and many other therapists do as well i i think that the fundamental piece is is really taking quivers comes to see me and 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 any healer right it's this idea of taking their their historical contextual background and context right it's like whoever comes to see me it's not just them that see me it's them and all of their experiences all of their generations of pain other generations mm. of joy that come into the room and i think all of that makes up the person and the person seeking seeking that healing Absolutely. and i think it's just important for yeah if you if, if all the other healers can just can hear this piece because i think this is what's really at least for me and my practice has helped me so much is taking mm-hmm. that all of that kind of piece of of each person's history and historical context um it just really kind of helps get to that healing a little faster Absolutely. And, and, you know, I do want to do a shout out that Alejandro and I, we know each other from prior from working at a, a clinic at a psychiatric clinic yeah, a yeah, few years ago. So I so Alejandro, I've always thought very, very highly of you a solid, solid clinician, oh, therapist and person, most importantly, solid, solid so much, person. I know when when we were working at the clinic, and we would send you like our 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 men and you were the only one the only guy therapist amongst i don't yeah. know 20 some 
uh, women therapists. So there was always so much you can do. But I do remember that you'd be like, okay, well, we only have Alex. So, <laughs> and is, yeah. yeah, but you were just, you know, from what I remember, just wonderful with all of the, all of the, the, patients and the clients that we used to work with so definitely highly recommend I highly recommend Alex and definitely check out his website and Instagram and and Alex thank you so much for for sharing your your knowledge your wisdom with us I know I learned a lot I love having these type of conversations I haven't had a lot of men on my podcast not because I, yeah. I it just you know just some it just doesn't I don't have I think I know more know more ladies <laughs> you know and especially in our field you know but it's always I think it's always um nice to have a just this your perspective I think is is so unique especially being a Latino uh more specifically you know your family's from Mexico so I think we I I relate to a lot of things that you share and I know a lot of people will too so thank you so much for sharing with us today Oh, you're welcome. And it's been a pleasure here, Rosa. I'm glad that we were able to make this happen. I know our skills are crazy, but we yeah. did it. Finally, it took a little, yes. took a few months. We got it done. So yeah. and I'm, I'm so blessed and grateful to um, be on your podcast. I am a big fan of you. You're doing some great things Aww. on there. So keep it, Thank keep you. it going. Keep Thank it going. you, Alex. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope that you found it healing and nourishing to your mind and soul. If there's a friend that you think would benefit from listening to this information, please share it. Share about our podcast. If you feel called to, please leave us a review as this really, really helps boost our presence here in Apple Podcasts and it makes it easier for others to find us to stay up to date on new episode releases and special events and projects that I'm working on. You can follow us on Instagram at Inner Healing Paths Podcast, and you can subscribe to my newsletter by going to my website, which is rosachettilcsw.com. And I will include this information and links in the show notes. Once again, thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to sharing with you again next time.